Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. Hopefully, this will dis- hopefully this will inspire you as a community to discuss them more. Ideally, we'd love you to travel more there and enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms, including but not exclusive to my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com, on YouTube, Facebook, and now on TikTok, you can reach me at The Professor Travel. If you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're a Twitter, then you can find me on Twitter at The Professor TR1. And then if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot, located at The Professor Travel blogspot.com. Today, I am so privileged to have a visiting professor with me, Morgan O'Brien. How are you, sir? Doing good. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your channel in just a couple of minutes, but I'm I'm curious about a lot of things. First and foremost, this amazing picture that you have from your channel. Is there a story behind this? Just out of curiosity. I really need to update that when I'm looking at it now. And I think I really need to update that. I remember the camera I took it with. This is so old. I was, that's probably, it's probably like 15 years old. And I was in um, a water park in Cologne, Germany. And I think it was one of the first like digital cameras that was waterproof. And I remember thinking, I have to take an underwater picture of me. How cool would that be? And then somehow when I started like, uh, when my YouTube channel shifted from just like putting videos online to sort of creating a brand, that's what I came up with. That's the story. It's awesome. I love it. So don't change anything though. Seriously. If you have to update it, fine, update it, but go back there and do like a before and after or something like that. Just just have fun with it. Go with it. (laughs) So um, just so my students can get to know you a little bit, um, talk to us a little, just a little bit about your background credentials, uh, either something in your educational background or maybe some places that you travel to. Well, I was born in South St. Paul, Minnesota on a snowy night in April. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota and uh, did a lot of outdoor stuff with my family. So I come from like sort of a, we lived in the suburbs, but we spend a lot of time like in nature as well. And um, I went to school for musical theater in Wisconsin. I'm a musical theater actor. That was like my real life job for a long, long, long time. And now I do YouTube full time. What else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like just out of curiosity, do you know about how many different countries you've traveled to over the years? It's interesting that you asked me that. And now that you asked, I really would like to count, but uh, I don't know how many different countries. I can tell you the ones that people are surprised about. People are always surprised to know that I've been to Tunisia, Hmm. which is in Africa. Yeah, that's where, you know, they filmed some of the original Star Wars movies in the desert in Tunisia. And I've also been to um, Israel. Nice. 
So nice. those are two countries that when people hear that, they're like, oh, really? So... <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit more about you as well as your channel, which is called Morgan's Very Unofficial Travel Guides. We'll talk about what it is. We'll talk about, um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss some of the countries, maybe some of your favorite countries that you've been to, um, what types of content you have in your channels, and some of your favorite travel tips as well. But let's do a deeper dive into Morgan. Um, so, <laughs> is it going to hurt? <laughs> oh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I promise it'll be painless. So, um, you know, what, what really brought brought you into the travel space like why why was it something that because you, you seem very passionate about it obviously you have a youtube channel on it so what what drives you with that well i have always been a big fan of theme parks actually theme parks and amusement parks since i was a wee little lad and you know i'm not a big person now i'm only uh, five foot five so you know when i was a, when i was a younger person it's uh, probably better to say it that way and when I, so in adulthood, let's say in my 20s, then I started um, visiting a lot of theme parks, like with the free time that I had and the money that I had on my own. And then I started making like fun, just sort of videos of just everything to show friends and family. And that's how I kind of got to YouTube. And so when I realized the popularity of YouTube and how interesting it was to help people and to connect with people through that medium, that's kind of when I decided, all right, I want to do a lot more of this. So do you want do, do you understand what I mean? The goal yeah. kind of came like through the, through the, the back through, door. Through back like, yeah. This is what I want to do. No, I completely understand because the reason I started the channel in the first place with the professor travel is because I wanted to share some of my videos with friends uh, who maybe didn't have the means to be able to do a lot of traveling or uh, mm. like my mom who is uh not, I, I don't want to say sedentary, but she's got some mobility issues. And so mm-hmm. with her, her friends and stuff like that, it's, it's a good opportunity for them to say, Oh, that place looks amazing. Talk, talk, give me the story about that. Talk to me about that. And so, you know, sharing, I feel sharing is caring. I really do believe that. And so this is one of those opportunities, but you know, I've also had a lot of my students now that have said, Hey, I'm really curious about this place, or I'd like to know more about this. I'm kind of curious about another thing too. You said you grew up in Minnesota, but you actually, like I'm in California, we're talking right now and you're in Germany. That's right. So so how long have you been in Germany for? I moved here in 1998. So over, over 20 years now. Yeah. And um, I was three years old when I moved here. (laughs) (laughs) What was the, what was the drive? It was your, your family got a job over there or what was the situation? No, actually um, my family is all in the United States still. I, I got a job here. I was not three years old. I was, uh, <laughs> I was in my 20s. <laughs> I was already in my 20s. But wait, you look so tiny and young. It's unbearable. No, okay. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, I was working as a musical actor in New York, and okay. I was auditioning for everything that uh, was available. And I got offered a contract with the musical Grease, which was going to Dusseldorf. And uh, that's how it began. And I never, just like I never thought that I would be a full-time travel vlogger, I also never thought that I would be, that I would be living internationally in Europe for 20 years, but it happens. Did you speak German at the time? No. I have German, I have German ancestry and actually my... My mom remembers having like aunts and uncles who spoke German to each other, but we didn't learn any German. And I had just a little bit of like foreign language 
you know, like foreign language lab in high school where you do like, you know, three weeks of German, three weeks of yeah. French, three weeks of Spanish, just to sort of get like a, a taste of it. But when I moved to Germany, I really did not speak any German. And that was part of the that was part of the contract. We had German lessons just about every day. Uh, and not only learning how to speak German, but also how to pronounce it correctly, because that was important. And you ended up staying, obviously, uh, you know, well beyond your visa. So I assume that you went through the citizenship process at that point? No, uh, I was lucky enough to always have work. And so oh. I came into the country with a work permit because I had, uh, I was sponsored. And actually, it, people who are interested in this, I made a whole video about it as well, like mm -hmm. how you can do it. And if you want to move to a different country, the best way to do it. Uh, but so because I had a job and I had a, a company sponsoring me, I also had a work permission. And then I got another contract and another contract and another contract. And that's how, you know, that's how I ended up staying here for so long is just because the work was great. The living, the conditions of living were good. Um, the people here were great. And then eventually after so many contracts and all these uh, years of work, uh, I was offered basically a green card. I didn't even apply for it. Oh, wow. um, I, I went into the, like the, the office of foreign affairs or whatever you want to call it and said, so I have another contract here. Can we please extend my visa and my representative, or I don't know how you would call him was just like, you know what? You're successful. It's obvious that you're going to be fine here. So here, sign this. Here's your green card, basically. So I'm still an American citizen, but I am a resident of Germany. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about your channel. Um, so when did this get started? And Because it's been on for a little while now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. You've got a few, you got a few thousand followers. So that's awesome. Um, so like, how long have you been doing it? Well, that's a tricky question to answer. I mean, I think if you look at my channel and go and search for the oldest video, it's probably like 12, 13 years old at least. But like, um, I think kind of similar to what you were saying, when I started uploading YouTube videos, even though they were travel videos, there was no goal to it. It was just like, oh, you know, nowadays it's really easy to, to you know, digitalize stuff that you can, you know, uh, record with a video camera. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to show, you know, my family at home what this amusement park is like here in, you know, Germany or when we go to Sweden and, and I, there, there was like a specific turning point that I can tell you about, however, and that is... Marcus and I, my partner Marcus mm -hmm. and I, we went to Disney, Disney World in Florida, two times in one year. I think we went in January and then October. Okay. And I remember so many people in my family were like, what could you possibly do at Disney World two times in one year? And so that's when I thought, all right, I want to show them every why, like everything you can do at Disney in in a week and why anybody, you know, why, why it's like uh, relative and um, necessary, I guess, in a way to go to Disney two times in a year and still not see everything. And so I made those videos, I put those online and those were actually then the first videos where I was like, okay, hold on. I don't have 500 family members. Who are all these people, you know, watching these videos? And those are actually the first videos then that got me into the very beginning, the pilot 
YouTube AdSense program. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's so, the thing that I like, I, I, I don't mm -hmm. particularly right now, I don't monetize or do anything like that, but I'm just, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, it's like, so there was, there was a point where at one point you ended up attracting enough followers that YouTube actually took note of you and said, Hey, if, or, or you reach out to YouTube either way. And they say, Hey, you know, we'll be able to help you advertise on your videos because you've got such a, a fan base and a viewer base that it's actually allowing us to, you know, understand and accept that, I guess, in a way. Yeah, it was, times were totally different back then. Nowadays, yeah. anybody can monetize their videos as long as you have, I think, a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch or viewing hours, which, uh, yeah, it can be really easy and it can also be a struggle. Uh, my channel is way past that, but I've been doing it for a while. In the very beginning of YouTube, there were no ads. There was no way to make money with YouTube unless somebody was like sponsoring you to talk about a product or whatever. And the very beginning of the uh, this AdSense program, the way that you can, um, you know, make money with ads. I don't want to talk too much about about, you know, Sorry. like making money on YouTube. That's not the main job. reason why <laughs> I do it. But um, the only way in the beginning was if YouTube thought you had potential, they would invite you to participate in the program. So there were there was some department at Google, at YouTube at the time saying, all right, we want you to look through all these videos online and find people who might have potential or might potentially be interesting to advertising partners. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people oh, wow. way back then. Yeah. So if you go to my channel and look for the oldest Disney World videos on there, which are, yeah, at least 12 at least 12 years old. Those that's how like the very unofficial travel guides as a brand and as like a sort of like a business behind what I do. That's where that all started. I'm kind of curious on a side note, how many different Disney theme parks have you been to? I've been to Disneyland, California, Disney, California adventure, okay. uh, magic kingdom in Florida, Epcot, Disney studios, uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Disneyland Paris, uh, Disney Walt Disney Studios Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Tokyo Disney Sea. Okay, so I have been to all of those except for the Tokyo ones. So mm -hmm. I'm, we're we are we are a Disney family as well. So we're looking to get over to both China and Japan, hopefully within the next couple of years, so that way we can take advantage mm -hmm. of taking a look at some of those theme parks there too. Um, I, oh, you know what? Before I move on, um, really quickly, there's a couple of video or there's a couple of pictures. Um, on this slide. And for my podcasters out there, obviously come to the YouTube channel so you can see these. They're really great quality. Um, you have a couple of pictures on here of a recent cruise you went on, actually. And yeah. I'm really, uh, you have to go see Morgan's video of this spectacular cabin he was in. Two stories, just stunning cabin on a ship. Like I, I know you talk about it in the video, so I don't want I, I don't want to spoil it by having you give us all the information about that. But I mean, like, what was your first like? Just like when you walked through the door, like how 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 did you feel when there's like, oh my gosh, this is two stories. There's so many different things to do in this place, and just I, like, what, like I know there were some positives and negatives to it, but I mean, like, how was that initial feeling? <laughs> Well, just to, to make it clear, we usually don't travel at that level of luxury. Usually, that's, that was a huge exception for us. And if you, you watch the videos, and I know that you know, uh, 
it was a spontaneous thing that we basically decided why we were checking in. We were like, should we ask if there's any kind of upgrades? And, uh, and there were upgrades. And just to also make it clear, we did pay for it. It was not yeah. something that was free. And so we agreed on a budget, Marcus and I, and we went to where we had to go to ask about it. And she said, okay, for this much, you could go to this kind of cabin. And for this much, I could put you in this cabin. And for this much, you could put you in this cabin. And then whatever came after that was already above our budget. So we were like, okay, well, let's take that one, whatever it was. And we knew nothing about it we knew we didn't know how big it was going to be we didn't know that there was going to be like two floor we didn't know anything about it and then we opened the door and it was you know when you're used to just opening the door and seeing okay there's the bathroom there's the bed there's the balcony and this is the entire cabin when you walk into something like that it's like yeah it was so spectacular and like you said <laughs> not everything about it was perfect but yeah. it was it was pretty darn nice. It's it, it looks the videos. I, I don't even know if the videos do it justice because it just is one of those things that I think you actually have to be present to kind of experience, you know, like walking up the stairs and going to the upper. But anyways, I'm going to leave it up to people to go to your site to see it, but there it's, a, it's phenomenal. I was just blown away by the stuff you showed. So again, thank you for putting those videos together on that. Um, have so, you, uh, question for you, question sure. for you. Have you, right ever, like, have you ever splurged on something like that and stayed in something like super luxurious one time? Hotel? Yes. Cruise ship? No. Um, I've, I've splurged on, a, I've splurged on a, hotel in Vegas where this it, it, it was a like owner suite that we had that it was like it was basically the size of three rooms where one of the rooms mm -hmm. was just a living room space and the other one was like this deluxe bed that was bigger than a king bigger than a California king it was like it, it took up almost <laughs> it took almost yeah. eight feet in every direction um, nice. the the bathroom obviously had the whirlpool spa and all kinds of fun stuff like that so I mean it was just it was oh dude it was amazing and I I, I had a blast that time um, that was at the MGM uh, so yeah it was it was, Vegas is a good place to splurge. If you want to splurge, Vegas is a good place to do it. Yeah. But you know what? Funny that you mentioned that because uh, when I went to, and this goes this goes to your statement about budgeting as well. When I went to Rome last year prior, because my, my husband and I, our anniversary is in August. And so when I went to Rome last year, we decided to experiment with something. We went and we went to a three-star hotel, or I think it was three or three and a half star hotel. But instead of just getting a standard room there, we ended up upgrading every, to the highest level we could in the three and a half star hotel. And so uh -huh. when we did that, the room we got was just as spectacular. It had a view of like the street just outside the area, which goes right to the Spanish steps. We got, oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, it was really spectacular. Um, we were like a block from Trevi fountain. Um, it, 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 you know, it had its own open living room area. The, it, it was posh. I was like, it was amazing. The only complaint I had about the hotel, the size of the elevators in Rome are just like the size of a, carry on basically it's it's really tiny uh or at least that was the I've, I've had a couple experiences in rome and both of them had the elevators the same size so i think it's just you have to adapt <laughs> but yeah well, you I, know why that is <clears throat> do you know why the elevators are so small no i don't please tell me it's because those buildings were built hundreds of years ago before there were elevators and most buildings have like a sort of a spirally staircase in the middle with like an open space like that's how they were built. The, the building that 
that we lived in before this building. We live in a really new building here now, but was like that. And so those elevators are built in that space in the middle of the stairs. And that's why they're so small is because there is no space for an elevator. If you stay in a building that was built like within the last, you know, 50 years, it's going to be totally different. But in Rome, you know, the foundations of most of those buildings are hundreds, if not thousands of years old. So that's why the elevators are so small. That is a great trivia piece. Thank you for sharing that because it's again, I, I always wondered why I was like, it's really seemed like the specs could have been different on this, but now it makes sense that you say it that way. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Um, so we talked about, um, countries that you've uh, been to, we'll, we'll, we'll have to revisit that at another time because obviously, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a count, but how many continents have you been to? Do you know? I've been to every continent except Australia and what's the cold one? Is it Antarctica? Antarctica, Antarctica yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now, talk to me about traveling solo versus traveling as a couple. Um, is, is there a preferred thing in terms of for your YouTube channel specifically? Do you prefer to travel solo and and take advantage of doing stuff at that point? Or is it, you know, cause I, I tend to think when I go as a couple, I have other things, other agendas that are, that are going with stuff like that. So what are yes. what is your preferred <laughs> method? <laughs> yeah. Well, the best YouTube videos in my, in my experience come out of my solo trips, just because it's so easy to focus completely on, on the content, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know that you know this, but uh, like out of a 20 minute YouTube video, it's probably, you know, like four or five hours of footage, footage sometimes that, yeah. you, that ends up going into it. And so when you're traveling with another person, be it your husband, wife, friends, whatever, like it's really hard to focus on getting good shots and getting interesting uh, angles of things because you constantly have to be like, oh, you guys, I'm sorry. Can we go back? I forgot to get, you know, the front of the restaurant or, all right, you guys go over there. I just need to walk across the street once. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it seems like all of a sudden now you're inconveniencing them. And I oftentimes will get a little bit of pushback from my husband when he's like, uh, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, they're on vacation and correct. we're on like workcation. You yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, I love that term. That's actually, cause I don't like, I will say this. I don't think of this as work. This is kind of my, cause I work full time as a college administrator and as a adjunct professor, but this is kind of mm-hmm. my fun stuff. And I love to learn a little bit about this process. I, this is, you know, sharing my information, sharing this inf- information with everybody, I think really helps us grow as a society culturally and, and socially it's, it's spectacular. It's one of those things that I think, you know, as I continue to go along down the line, especially as I get closer down the line to retirement and stuff, when I transition out of administration and working more into adjunct faculty work, I think mm-hmm. I might, you know, switch over to YouTube a lot more as well too. So it's just one of those things. I think people really have a, a different view on that. Um, but I agree with you. Actually, I think if I was to travel more solo, I would probably get more dedicated time to be able to focus on that. So that makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I think traveling solo is has many advantages, also some disadvantages, of course, to be realistic. But when it comes to being a YouTuber, um, unless you want to like pay somebody to help you film, and there are people that do that who have the luxury of being able to do that, uh, traveling solo will definitely help you get better videos. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you a little bit more of a serious question. Um, 
yeah, in terms, <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> uh, in terms of views of different countries that you've gone to that have either had political or civil unrest, um, how do you manage that risk? I'll, I'll, and I'll give you an example. A couple, mm-hmm. of, I think it was back in 2017, we took, a, we took a, I, I don't even know why I booked this this way, but we, we did a one week trip where we jumped from the US to London, then to Amsterdam, then to Rome and Vatican City, and then to Barcelona, and then back to the U.S. within one week. In one week? Yeah, it was. In, I don't don't ask me. I was just, I, I was wow. new to I was new to my new job, and so then at that point I needed to I maximize my vacation time. But man, it was I needed a vacation after I got back from the vacation. Anyways, when I was in London, it, again coincidental craziness. When I was in London, while I was there, they had a bombing in the tube. Um, it was some kid with a pipe bomb, but they, they, you know, locked down and there was a lot of people were going up top to do taxiing and stuff like that. Um, so I was, and so there was that. And then when I was in Barcelona, as you may know, uh, the Catalonian government are looking to secede from Spain. And when I was there, they had protests in the street. So, I mean, it was one trip. I had these two events that were going on at the same time and both of which were, you know, perfectly within control, but I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, a terrorism situation in London. And then here in Spain, all of a sudden I'm like, are we going to be safe? And sure enough, they're like the, the worst thing that happened down there is people were yelling and banging on pots and pans, you know, in the middle of the night or something like that. And it's like, nope, okay, well, that's not a big deal. So, but I mean, how do you manage your risk when you're deciding on places to go? Well, I do, of course, take those things into account because it's not fun. At least the kind of travel that I like to do has nothing with uh, being in danger. Yeah, <laughs> There are people who really are interested in that or who are very politically active and they plan their trips on participating in, you know, protests and things like that. Uh, That's not what I like to do, and especially not what I like to showcase on my YouTube channel. Um, But, you know, one example I guess I could give you is we took a trip to Dubai. Mm -hmm. And Dubai is a fascinating city, some place I was really, really interested in for a long, long time. And, uh, of course, you know, I... I'm sure you know, a lot of people know, they don't have the best human rights policies in Dubai, yeah. uh, especially for uh, for people who are LGBTQ. Uh, and uh, I wanted to go there and see it once and see what it was like. And to tell you the truth, I felt totally comfortable there. I did not feel unsafe. I felt very welcome. Uh, you know, Marcus and I, we don't always <laughs> say... We're not the kind of gay couple who goes skipping uh, down the beach hand no, in hand. No public displays of affection. Pink, yeah. yeah. Matching pink thongs. But, uh, <laughs> but, but if you did, that would be really fascinating to see the video of it. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Well, yeah. So I went to Dubai once and I probably, I, I, well, I, we've talked about it too, but I don't think we'll be going back until some things change there. But I did it once. And as far as protests and things like that, you know, I live in a big city here. I live in Hamburg. It's one of the biggest cities in in uh, Germany. And, you know, it's a big me- metropolis here in Europe. A lot of culture, a lot of arts and things like that. But I have to tell you, there are protests here every weekend. <laughs> There are literally protests here every weekend where some street is blocked because somebody is protesting for something. And sometimes it's just a couple hundred people and sometimes it's literally thousands of people, but it is every weekend. So for you to say, oh, I was worried there were protests, I think. You're like, that's too (laughs) o'clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have an interesting... 
I have an interesting uh, like juxtaposition or an interesting uh, like flip on the whole thing as somebody who, you know, I grew up in the United States and my family all still lives there. But when I come to the United States now, I'm also a tourist. You know what I mean? I don't I don't live there. I don't have any job there. I don't have a house or anything. I go there on vacation or to visit my family. And and I don't want to get too political about this, but just from what I know about people who live over here and take trips to the United States, one issue that people ask me about all the time is, is it true that everybody in the United States is carrying a gun hidden like in their purse or like hidden under their belt or something? And, and for, you know, you feel uncomfortable going to a country where there's protests, which is, you know, part of, you know, like normal everyday life for me. And sometimes they do get out of control. I'm not saying they don't. And you feel better being at home because you know what things are like and there aren't those kind of protests very, you know, often. But for people who live outside of the United States, it's actually an issue. They think, well, where are the places in the United States where I can go where I will be least likely to get shot or, or you know, threatened by somebody with a gun? It's a real yeah. thing. No, Just I, to I, give you some, something to think about. Yeah, it's really – I'm really quite surprised that – and, I, and I've, I've, I've heard that actually from a couple of people outside the U.S. So it's not just exclusive to people in Germany. It's it, I've heard that from people that come from Asia. I hear that from people that come from Africa as well, too. So it doesn't surprise me that that's the sentiment. Um, on a on a more light no, lighthearted note, um, what are some countries that you that, that are on your list? Where are some places that you are like, you know, as soon as this pandemic is over, boom, I'm there. <laughs> Well, for me, it's more about destinations than like specific countries. Like I really, really want to get to Hong Kong Disneyland and Shanghai Disney. Those, they look so amazing. And that, you know, when I've done those that I've done every Disney park, and those are some things that I really want to do. There's also, for me, there's also like some experiences that I'd really like to do. And then it's not necessarily, it doesn't really matter what country. Um, I don't know. I have a really hard time. This is something I really realize every time I'm in this situation, I have a really hard time picking any a favorite anything. <laughs> Except for nachos. I love nachos. Well, that's going to lead us into uh, 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 some some other varieties of different things that have to do with culture. So what I'll ask you to do then is just to lend me a little bit of view on some places, not necessarily that are your favorite, but maybe just a couple of them that you're like, Oh, well that was memorable. And I thought that was really kind of interesting. And I would recommend people, you know, at least go there once or experience it or something like that. Um, when I, when I think in terms of culture, I mean, one of the very first things I think of is religion. And Mm -hmm. as I, as I've made mention to you, I'm kind of an agnostic person. I was born Jewish, but I'm agnostic for the most part. Um, and so in reference to that, a lot of people find it interesting that I travel the world and one of my favorite things to do is go to religious sites um, mm-hmm. because I love to experience the world history and the different types of cultures and see the experiences. And yeah, I'll even like it, you know, I'll even donate a couple of dollars here and there in order to help upkeep the site. So it's not necessarily, I feel like I'm donating to a religious cause, but are there any um, religious spots that you've been to that you're like, wow, that was really mind-blowing or that was just such an experience i really appreciated it 
Actually, I have several. And just to uh, to give a little bit of background information, I was raised Catholic and was uh, actually pretty active in the church until 18 or 19 years old. And for me, going to um, Jerusalem, that was a crazy experience because, and I think I talk about this in those videos too. These are pretty also somewhat older videos. Whether or not you believe in the miracles and the, you know, these spiritual things that, uh, that the Bible says happened or says didn't happen, actually going there and like being in the garden of, uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. And being where being, you know, in the city and on these streets, it just makes it, it makes it so much more real. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Miracles aside, there was a person named Jesus back then, and he was here. These are where the apostles were. These are where they wrote those stories. Be be them true or not, like it really happened, and it was here a long, long time ago. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, and uh, you know, I get that experience. I get that experience not just from going to a place like. Israel, but, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like going to like Pisa, like the, the leaning tower, when you're walking up the steps and all of a sudden you're noticing that the marble is warped from thousands of years of walking on it. Same with the Louvre. Um, you know, it's just one of those places that, you know, it, it's it, the history of it all, the ancient feeling of being there and knowing the, the people that walked those halls at one point or those places. Yeah. I find that mind blowing. It makes it so much more real somehow, so much more uh, like. Tangible. I can't think of the English word. Tangible, yeah. yeah. If you want to learn a little bit of German, in German it's Kreisba, but I couldn't Kreisba? think of the word. I'm going to get that wrong. Is it Kreisba? It's G-R-E-I-S-B-A-R. Kreisba. Yeah, it means okay. like, like grabbable. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for coming to share. What about as far as museums? What are some of the favorite ones that you've been to? Like just the ones that stand out. They're like, oh, wow, that was really cool. Well, of course, the Louvre is something, you know, if you've been to the Louvre, that's, but that's, the Louvre is one of those things that it's like, to call it a museum, you know, it's like. It's like calling it a country and place. <laughs> yeah. You can't, it's like a city. You can't understand how huge it is. And you can't be like, we're going to go to the Louvre and see, you know, everything there is to see there. You, you just can't. That's like a week's. You could go there every day for a week and still probably not see everything. Um, also, I spent a lot of time when I was in London. I studied for a half a year in London, and I spent a lot of time at the Tate. Oh, so, nice. Um, yeah. Have you been to Russia at all? I've been to uh, the Ukraine, but not uh, to Russia, no. If you ever get a chance to go to St. Petersburg, the Hermitage is amazing. And mm. that goes back to that risk versus reward conversation that we talked about. Because being okay. you know, a married gay couple, my husband had to kind of what he calls butch it up. Um, uh-huh. When we went there, we had to take off our wedding rings and stuff like that. We just wanted to be totally on the on the download so that way people mm. weren't like, you know. Um, let's jump into language. I find it amazing that you are one of the few YouTubers that not only does your YouTube channels in English, but then you can flip over to the other side and some of your YouTube content is also in German too. Yeah. I I'm curious, like the production time, do you, do you film one back to back or how does that whole process work for you? Yeah. I usually do it back to back just because 
you know, a pressure in my head and I try to sort of, you know, keep the same information in both videos. And I don't make German videos about everything, but I'm starting to do it on things where I think, okay, this is really relevant for people in Germany as well. A lot of times when I post a German video and just to put this in there, I never make a video in German about anything that I haven't made an English video about as well. But I post a German video and then a lot of my, like the people who come to my stuff every Every time I upload it, a lot of times people will have like been gone for a while and they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, a new video from Morgan. And they'll click on it and then I'm speaking German and they'll be like, what's going on? <laughs> That's when you hit the closed caption on the video and <laughs> see if you've done it. Well, the thing is, is people ask me to do subtitles in my German videos because they feel like they're missing out on something. And first of all, like I said... I never make a German video about something that there isn't an English video about on my channel also. And have you ever put subtitles on a video? Have you ever like sat down and written everything out that's in a 20 minute video? <laughs> have you? I have, I have, I have not, but at least with like zoom and, and this one, I can just automatically hit the button and it automatically gives me a transcript. <laughs> Yeah, see, I can't do that because I'm. Tra it's like translating from German to English, and it's just it is not fun. Oh, it takes forever, and then it takes like two times as long for the video to render at the end. Creating, yeah, creating subtitles, it's not fun, and I, yeah, I don't do it. You're like, no, not going to happen. <laughs> but you know, seeing that's really interesting. Um, another thing I also note in your videos is, and this we're going to move now into diet and food quiz again. I think that's mm -hmm. both of our favorite topics. You made mention earlier, you love food. I love food. It's fantastic. I love that you put food in your videos, by the way. Um, I, I'm curious about something. So mm -hmm. you, you, you grew, you grew up in the United States, then you moved to, you know, Europe, uh, London and Germany, but you do eat with both hands. And I noticed that's something distinctive from people I notice in Europe. Now, I'm not saying people in the United States don't do that. It's predominantly so something I'm, I notice for people in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. I, is that just something that you learned or just picked up? Or, or do you even know how it happened? Or was it just... I definitely learned it here. And there are certain foods that people here in Europe or let's say in Germany that they will eat with a knife and fork that I just think, no. I mean, a hamburger. There are people who will eat a hamburger with a knife and fork. And I think there's a reason that there's bread on the top and bottom and that's so you can touch it. Like that's, that's how it was conceived. You know, it's like a big sandwich. There's also a lot of people who will eat a pizza with a knife and fork. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like when I say it out loud now, it seems weird, but I know that I have done that. It depends on the niceness of the restaurant. I think it also depends on the size of the pizza too. Like if I go to New York and I have a, like a slice there, it's going to be, massive and so i might want to cut it into yeah. smaller pieces but if it's like if i'm going over to italy or something like that and they're giving me like something that's not really that big and they've mm. already cut it for me it's like well yeah i'll just have it slice by slice i don't know I, I i don't understand why people do that but like when you think about food like what are some of your favorite spots for food that you've traveled to okay i can be really specific about this they're like the and you know I have a really specific diet. There's a lot of things that I like to eat and don't like to eat, but the things that I like to eat, I like to eat a lot of them. So the best food for me, for my taste on a cruise ship was on the Carnival Sunrise, which was a huge surprise, huge surprise. Um, I don't think Carnival is necessarily famous for like high quality food, but I really enjoyed 
of the 20 cruises I've been on, I think it's actually more than 20 cruises now. That was the, the most I enjoyed the food offerings. As far as theme parks around the world, I guess I'd have to say Epcot. I mean, Epcot has amazing, oh, yeah. well, and actually uh, Disney's or Disney California Adventure also has some great food to tell you the truth. And wine, by the way, there too. And oh, yeah. Wine and sourdough bread, two things I love from California Disney. <laughs> Can you send me some? <laughs> I will. Just, we'll, we'll talk about it right after this. Um, and, and again, theme parks go to the recreational piece of what we were talking about. Uh, so mm-hmm. I know you engage in a lot of that. What about in terms of sports? Are, how active are you when you're on vacation and when you're traveling? Well, that's changed a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm middle aged now. I'm 46. (laughs) You're younger than me. So I don't want to hear it. So when I was younger, I was, I was a lot more active. I guess, you know, to tell you the biggest change now is I, when I'm traveling now, I do not get up early and go to the gym. I used to do that all the time, but I don't do it anymore. However, if I'm someplace where there's like water slides, I'm definitely doing the water slides. If, you know, I was on the Anthem of the Seas, a really amazing ship from Royal Caribbean, and they had a lot of really cool things to do on there, including this indoor skydiving tube. Have you ever seen one of these things? Uh, yeah, it's it kind of like you're in the, like a cylinder and the, the air blows up under you and then you kind of like yes. float. Because you, oh, like, so you have like parachute cool. material on it, right? You have to get into yeah. the, like a suit at a time? Yeah, you have to go through a, f- a whole workshop to be able to do it. It was so oh. cool. So like I love active things like that. But when you're talking about like... Well, like, and I love to play tennis too, but I usually don't do that when I'm on vacation. Although I did do it in Dubai. Hmm, nice. And it was like, it was like 110 degrees on a hard court and the soles of my shoes were melting. Were they really? Yeah. It was like, they were really soft when it was over. Ugh. Not like melting, you know, like a candle, but it was like, they noticeably changed texture. I, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona and, um, well, there was a trend, I think, in like the late 90s, early 2000s of these, like, I, I think they're called jellies. They were these, uh, like, flip-flops that girls used to wear. Yeah. When it got but really wasn't hot. was that in the 80s? Isn't that more 80s? I, I don't know. I'm Jellies? Uh, so, okay, any, <laughs> well, we know what jellies But anyways, there, there were people who, like, got them stuck to the surface of the, of the street um, in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona, apparently. So yeah, you can it. get crazy hot. Um, speaking of traveling though, um, in terms of when you're traveling, have you ever happened to be in a place when there is a holiday that's going on during that time? Uh, yes, we've been in Orlando for Halloween, which is, you know, amazing Halloween Horror Nights and what happens at Disney. I've also been in Orlando for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And actually, when I was a cast member in the Magic Kingdom way back in 1995, it was for a it was for a holiday season. So um, as far as theme parks go, done that. Uh, I did when I was working as a uh, when I was working on stage in my previous career. I spent um, I spent three months in Uruguay, so mm-hmm. South nice. America, uh, over Christmas. So I did have I've had two Christmases in my life where it was warm: the one in Orlando and the one in uh, in Uruguay. And you know, growing up in Minnesota, I grew up where Christmas is like, you know, it's like 20 below and there's like this much snow on the ground. So it was interesting for me to have a Christmas where it's warm outside. Um, But I'm trying to think, I think, well, yeah. And then I've had, 
and then every holiday since 1998 in Germany. Yeah. The Christmas, the, well, you have the Christmas markets also along like the rivers and things like that in Europe too, don't you? Oh, well, there's Christmas markets all over the place in, in Hamburg too. Not this year, but usually. <laughs> Um, one other thing I want to touch base on really quick, uh, just because you might have a unique perspective on this. <clears throat> when I have been traveling abroad, and whether this is in Bangkok, Thailand, or Euro Disney, when I, when I go to these places, there is apparently some kind of fixation on the American Old West, um, whether it's a stunt show, like even the Haunted Mansion over at Euro Disney, is, they have like a, like when you go underground, there's like a, kind of like an Old West theme to some of the things that are like, there's, I, I don't know, it's it's like that. And I've seen like some, I, I wasn't sure if it was just stuff I was happening to notice because it was standing out to me or things like that. But even like when I was in Bangkok, Thailand, they had like a old West stunt show. And it's really here. It's really interesting to hear the stunt actors talking in Thai while they're doing, you know, these like <laughs> gun toting different types of things. But has that been something that you noticed at all or? The popularity of the American, like, wild, wild west. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a very popular film genre. And, you know, to take the to take the example of Epcot's world showcase, you know, there's there's these like different sections of it that are supposed to be portraying sort of like the 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 buildings and the culture and the whatever, you know, is famous about that specific country and culture. And of course, it's really difficult to do that about any country, but you take the things that seem to be universally known and then you really like blow them up and focus on them. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. like, you know, when you when you go to the Germany pavilion in Epcot, I walk in there and I think, I don't know any place in Germany that looks like this. You know what it's I like, mean? You mean people like aren't walking around in Hamburg and Lederhosen all the time? It doesn't, that doesn't make sense to you? <laughs> no, not all the time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just during Oktoberfest. So it's like, great. But so to go back to the Wild Wild West, I think that's just something that's really easily, first of all, it's really easily marketable. And it's also just like something that's so typically American. You know, there, there are no cowboys in, you know, Thailand, you know, not in that sense. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's just really easily marketable. And it's something that's so typically universally American. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the content on your channel, because I think okay. you have a unique niche. Um, you, like I've interviewed a number of people who are in the travel space and mm -hmm. you have a certain levity on many of the videos that you have. There's some fun little quirks about them, or uh, you'll throw in some special, you know, like you'll augment your voice or do kind of funny little things that you talk about. And it, it's, but you make each of the videos your own. And I think that's really hilarious and I love it a lot. Um, Thank you. Just some of the things that I've noticed on the videos you have, you know, your do's and don'ts of, you know, places where you go and travel to. There are some shocking things that you, that you mentioned about things that like stunned you or you were surprised by. Um, you have obviously your love and hates, uh, love what you love to eat, um, what to wear in some cases, especially like you just did one on origami packing, basically, <laughs> I think, <laughs> trying to get stuff back into your suitcase. Um, yeah. But obviously talking about stuff, especially when you're traveling during the middle of a pandemic. And you've uh -huh. been, you are in a unique situation in that you've been on a couple of cruises during the pandemic. Yes. Not almost, yeah. almost no one can say that. What has that been like for you? 
Well, I feel really, uh, I feel really lucky to be able to do it. And uh, it's been, it's been an interesting challenge to, you know, to like, to do these trips and to be able to do what so many, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world wish they could be doing. And I get to do it. And it was an interesting challenge to, to show it and to enjoy it, but not, or, or but to remain humble. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because I didn't want anybody to be like, oh, this dude gets to go on cruises and look at him, you know, showing off to the rest of the world what, what they get to do and we don't. And I did get some comments like that, which made me like hyper aware of it. Um, on the other hand, it was really great to just be back to doing those kind of things that I really love and that I know also people really enjoy learning about. So it was, yeah also really cool and like i said i just feel really lucky and feel really uh really honored to be able to have done it and uh, as i mentioned before uh, before we went on camera we're back on lockdown here again now so i don't know if i'll be doing any more cruises this year was it now you've been on okay so let me see if i understand this correctly it was the tui mind chief one and two is that correct yeah Okay. Um, were there any other cruise ships that you were on like during the pandemic or were those the two? Yeah, I did one more cruise and those videos will be going up on my channel in a couple of weeks or, you know, I, oh, mean, I don't know when this is going online, but the, the MSC Grandiosa uh, mm -hmm. ship that is so none of at, at the moment that we're filming this, all of those videos have still yet to go online. Okay. But the MSC one that is, th that was also out of Germany. It wasn't out of Italy, correct? No, it was out of Italy. Actually. Oh, okay. So I had to fly from Germany to Italy, do a COVID test, and then I could get on the ship. Okay. Interesting. And they're doing, like right here, I think I have a picture of you. <laughs> they're doing the nasal swabs, yeah. like, or the, no, they're doing the, um, the throat one, correct? Well, the picture that you have there was the first time I did it, which was for the second TUI Mind Shift cruise. Okay. And there I went to a clinic here in Hamburg, and I just had to do it within 48 hours of the cruise. Okay. And there they did nose and then mouth. And it was really uncomfortable because I was just standing outside of a window outside of this clinic. And for the MSC cruise, it was much more comfortable. They had a smaller swab and it was in the cruise terminal. Actually, it was organized by the cruise company and uh, they did nose. No, they did mouth and then nose, which I feel like is a much better order to do it in. And um, yeah, and then we just waited in there because they did the, like those super quick results. Oh, result ra test. Rapid test, yeah. Um, my yeah. husband my husband had surgery a couple weeks ago on his back. And before he did that, he had to get a COVID test. And it was the first time he ever mm -hmm. had a nasal swab. It was... It was a day of torture, he said, because it was like, boom, it was done really fast. But then the whole day he was like, it was like he was having a massive allergy attack, it seemed, because he was like, just, oh, it was terrible. He, I felt so bad for him. It was just like a really tough thing. But if you're wanting to travel, these are the, these are the things you have to do in order yeah, to be able and to. And this, I mean, there, how many other like more uncomfortable things have you been through at like doctor's offices? You know what I mean? I it's had a colonoscopy. So I had a colonoscopy earlier this year. Believe me, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know all about it. Yeah. Speaking of questions. <clears throat> So we, I have some burning questions that I'd like to know about. What okay. are the most common question or what is the most common question that you get from your viewers? 
the most common question I get from my viewers, well, a lot of them ask, who's Marcus and why we don't see more of Marcus? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever That's seen Marcus in any of about. I hear you talk about him, but I don't necessarily... I'm going to have to go back to some of your older videos. I don't know if I've seen Marcus in any of the videos. You definitely have. You just didn't know it was him. Oh, Okay. <laughs> He's like in the background somewhere. Yeah, um, look for somebody. I look for somebody who's always like walking a couple meters behind me. That's Marcus. Okay. Um, and then, what are the questions that you wish your viewers would ask you? You know, I get asked so many different questions that there really isn't anything that I feel like people that. I, yeah, I guess I, I don't have one of those. I feel like I feel like I have a really good uh, a really good connection with uh, with my audience, you know, so to say. And people are always are often surprised that I answer just about every question I get in my comments. If it's on Facebook, if it's on Instagram, if it's on my YouTube channel, there's a lot of YouTubers who kind of ignore their comments, and I understand why a lot of people do that. Believe me, I understand why a lot of people do that. <laughs> But um, I, you know, one of the main reasons that I'd like to do what I do is to help people plan and enjoy their trips, not only to just entertain them by watching videos. And so I feel like that has to be there. Like people need to know if they have a question that's not answered in the video, that they can write it in the comments and that they will get an answer from me. So I don't think that there's a, there isn't a question that I wish people would ask more to tell you the truth. I get Tons of questions. That's awesome, though. I really, and by the way, I can tell you personally, I really appreciate the fact that you're that you're able to take the time to do that. It, it really does mean a lot to the the audience as a whole, me included. Um, now, in terms of passports and 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 visa entries, do you have anything like global entry or a mobile passport system that you work with? You don't have that. Actually, I don't, and I feel like that kind of <laughs> saying that kind of like ruins my credibility as no. like a travel expert or whatever, but no, I don't have that. I do. One advantage I have, like I said, is I have my, my European residency card and that helps me traveling back this way. It helps me get through um, immigration quicker than just with my American passport, but I don't have any of those other fancy schmancy things. Okay. <laughs> and then in terms of when you're traveling and currency is involved, that's not Euro. I was going to mm -hmm. ask you, do you, do you tend to buy that before you leave home or do you buy it upon arrival? Like when you went to Dubai, for example, do you buy the currency uh -huh. there or would you buy it before you leave Germany? <laughs> I don't have a rule of thumb to tell you the truth. I think it's nice to have a little bit of the currency when you get there, of course, because you never know what's going to happen, how quickly you want to get out of the airport and get to your first destination or whatever. But I do have something to tell you. And that is nowadays you pretty much can pay for everything with a credit card or with a, you know, a debt card. And that is what I say is the best way to do it. Get it set up on your, on your iPhone or your Apple watch, or just, you know, the contactless cards nowadays. It's so convenient. It's so easy. And there have been times like the last time that I was in London, like last year, I was there for four days, I think. And I never touched cash at all. One single time. I wow. just paid with my card the whole time. You don't need to. Well, and we're moving more in that direction. Like even from, <clears throat> 
like when I went to Amsterdam, I want to say the first time, and I think that was in 2009, something like that, mm-hmm. to now, which is 2020. I mean, 11 years doesn't seem like a lot, but things have greatly transpired over the last 10 years or so that now, yeah, people are either using credit cards or they're using digital apps in order to be able to pay for things. It's no longer, especially because of the pandemic, as little touch cashed as, as possible, it, it makes a lot of sense to people. Yeah. You know, I guess, so rule of thumb, I always try to have like 50 to a hundred, uh, like euros worth of the current currency with me. And then I usually end up having all of it when I leave the country because I just ask everywhere possible, can I pay with a card? Can I pay with a card? That makes sense. Although I I imagine there's going to be those places that you go where you have to pay for the bathroom or something like that. And then it's like, okay, well, I have a couple coins on me or something like that. That's true. You usually can't pay the the bathroom attendant with a card. With a credit card. Would you accept Amex? That's fantastic. Awesome. Good. Um, (laughs) Well, Morgan, I I definitely want to thank you very much for your time. It means the world to me. And I really do hope we get a chance to do this again. You've been so fun to interview. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me. I had a good time. I appreciate it. And so if people want to take a look at your channel, um, they can find it on YouTube at the, I think it's specifically under Very Unofficial Travel Guides. Is that correct? I don't think it's under Morgan's. I think it's under Very Unofficial yeah. Travel Guides. YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Very Unofficial Travel Guides. Yeah. Okay. And on Instagram, you can find you at Mr. Morgan O'Brien, correct? Yep. Without the little correct. apostrophe. And then you also have, you're also on Facebook too, correct? Yeah. And it's that is facebook.com slash Morgan's Very Unofficial Travel Guides. Awesome. Well, Morgan, again, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. You mean the world to me. So keep doing the wonderful work that you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks. Awesome. And then for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach me on my, um, you can reach me on my, either my website or you can just send me an email at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you want to know when new content goes up and you're on YouTube right now, click that little bell icon right above you here. Um, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And believe me, we'd love to have new people as part of the community. If you like this content also, and you want to see more of it, give us a like, a thumbs up on that. And then finally, if you're listening to us on the podcast, please rate us and review us. We really do appreciate the feedback. So until next time, my name is Scott. I am the Professor Travel and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.